The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, and later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, Say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The Gospel of the Lord. May only truth be spoken here and only truth be heard in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, so this, this is like a super easy gospel to hear and talk about. Really easy. Um, I think it's really important with, with a gospel like this to kind of look at the, the context that this, that this small piece of scripture kind of lives inside of, because it's a hard piece of scripture if you try to take it out of its context and just try to understand why is Jesus being so mean to the disciples? And, and why is he talking as though the disciples owned slaves? They, they didn't, they were all running around. They were not in the class of people that owned, you know, owned slaves or property. Um, so I wanted to take a step back and, and think about the past few weeks um, and what the readings have been, because it's all part of this kind of run that's the context leading up to what's happening today. And I think it's really important to know, why are the disciples, why does this passage start out with the disciples saying, increase our faith? There's a context for that request. And, you know, it's important because this week, I think, whether it's something going on in my own life, your own life, where you feel a need for that request to increase your faith, or whether you're looking at what, what happened in Florida and Puerto Rico and Cuba and the destruction, you can read a passage like this and, and Jesus says, if you had faith, you could change X or Y or Z. And if you don't have the context, then we might read this passage as Jesus kind of telling us, you don't have enough faith, and that's why all this bad stuff is happening to you or to the world. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. So I want to back up. Why did the disciples say, increase our faith? We've been going through about six weeks, and every week, We've had a different parable from Jesus. And each of those parables has basically been 
about forgiveness. Jesus has been teaching the disciples about forgiveness. He tells them the story of the one lost sheep and how this kind of not-so-smart shepherd leaves the 99 sheep to go after the one wandering sheep because that's how valuable that sheep is. He talks about the woman who loses one coin and spends all day scouring her house for the one lost coin. And then he tells the parable of the prodigal son who asked for his father's inheritance and squandered it and came home just hoping to get a job. But the father not only wasn't mad, but welcomed him with open arms and threw a party. And he tells the story of the unjust steward. You remember that one? This confusing story about um, a, a steward who gets in trouble and starts using his master's money to build relationships and forgive debts. So Jesus is telling story after story about what it looks like when we forgive. Even the story from last Sunday, The Rich Man and Lazarus, is kind of a story about what happens when forgiveness, when there was never a chance for forgiveness. Did you notice that in that story, even after death, there's a chasm between the rich man and Lazarus. There's an unbreachable space between them. The relationship is broken. So all of these parables are little ways of teaching about the space that can open up between us in our relationships, between one another, or between God and us, and how the bridge in that gap is the father with open arms or the shepherd who runs out after the lost one. That bridge is forgiveness. It's, it's the person willing to say, I'm reaching out across to remake this connection that's been broken between us. And in these parables, Jesus is teaching us and teaching the disciples, why do we do that? Because that's who God is. God in Christ is reaching out across the gap that we thought we couldn't bridge to remake that connection. And because we're made in God's image, we are also made for making the connection and for forgiving. Jesus has been telling the disciples about forgiveness. And after he tells them these five parables about forgiveness, he says to them, it's better for you if you cause someone to stumble. It's better for you if a millstone were thrown about your neck and you were cast into the sea. And they're all like, oh boy. <laughs> and I think he's talking about, he says, God is, God is about forgiveness. It is in the nature of God to forgive. And therefore, as hard as it is, it's in your nature too. And if you don't forgive, 
you might cause someone to stumble. And the disciples don't want to hear about that. Neither do I. Forgiveness is hard, if you haven't noticed. And then Jesus says, or one of the disciples says, well, okay, I mean, I get that we should forgive people. But what if someone sins against me more than once? And Jesus says, if someone sins against you seven times a day and comes back to you seven times a day, you have to forgive them seven times. And what is the response of the disciples? Lord, increase our faith. Hard teaching. That you are made for forgiveness. That we are made for forgiveness. And yet, oh. I mean, it's okay. It, it kind of makes us laugh, but think about where you've been hurt. It's not easy to forgive. I imagine that each of us has known what it's like to have that chasm that opens up because of the pain that might feel unforgivable. And yet Jesus is saying, not just once, but seven times a day. And then he tells this weird little story about, well, if you had a slave, you know, you wouldn't like celebrate that they spent the day working. And, and tell them to put their feet up and relax, you'd say, that's what you should have done. That, that's who you are. Now, this is a, a strange little way to tell this, but I think what Jesus is saying is forgiveness is just the beginning. It's the starting point. It's the basic move of following Jesus. It's the basic move. It's where we begin. And so in this strange way, and Jesus will often tell us stories and talk to us in ways that surprise us. He's saying, forgiving once or seven times a day even, you don't get a, you don't get a party for doing that. That's the bit, it's only what we ought to have done. Again, it's a hard teaching. But we follow a Savior who is mercy and forgiveness. And we're made in that image. Now, I went on a whole retreat. I once did a whole day, a whole horrible day of a retreat on forgiveness. I'm joking. I mean, it was actually a wonderful retreat. Um, but the whole day I was just boiling in my resentment because it turned out when I had to spend a whole day talking about forgiveness, then I spent the whole day thinking about who it was that I needed to forgive. <laughs> and it was a hard day. But I want to bring to you a couple of things that I learned from that because as hard as this teaching about forgiveness is, we also can remember that Jesus is the one who says, Come, you who are weary and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. If the yoke is that your basic job is forgiveness, that my basic job is forgiveness, 
and it's easy, then we need to understand what forgiveness isn't, because I think that's one of the things that can sometimes block us from forgiving. So in this retreat, I learned two things that forgiveness isn't. One is forgiveness isn't denial. Forgiveness doesn't mean pretending that the sin didn't happen. It doesn't mean pretending that it was no big deal. It doesn't mean pretending that I'm not angry or sad or in pain because of the sin against me. And that's really important because I think sometimes we would like to just put like a nice little wallpaper cover over the sin and be like, that, that's fine. That never happened. But we know how, how a wound can fester when it's just kind of thinly papered over, but not really treated. True forgiveness means acknowledging the wound and the pain of what was there. The other thing that forgiveness is not, forgiveness is not a lack of accountability. So forgiveness doesn't mean saying, it's okay, I don't mind. Forgiveness and mercy can actually create space for accountability and for healing. But the, sometimes I think when we re resist the opportunity to offer forgiveness, it's because we think that that person or that structure will not be held accountable. But Jesus never says anything about people not experiencing consequences. So if there's a place in your heart where you know forgiveness is needed, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to stay in a relationship with someone who abused you, for instance. And that's an important thing to understand. So forgiveness isn't denial, and it's not a lack of accountability. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we can't still make choices about what's best for us, best for our family, or best for our community. What forgiveness is, is letting go. It's letting go of the need for what happened, for the past to change. It's letting go of the resentment, the desire to change the person or the situation. Forgiveness all through the Gospels is again about that movement of opening up our hands. It's about becoming free and allowing the person that we forgive or the situation that we forgive to also be free, to be in relationship with God. Now again, the move of forgiveness is something we follow because it's who God is for us. It's what God calls us to be as those who are made in the image of God and followers of Christ. And as much as we may 
understand forgiveness intellectually, whether the idea that forgiveness isn't denial and isn't lack of accountability, whether or not that's helpful. What I want you to remember is that forgiveness also is first of all, an act of God. So going back to the disciples saying, increase our faith. Sometimes we like to kind of make fun of the disciples. You know, we look at a question they ask or a, a thing, a request they make, and it feels kind of silly. But in this passage, I think they are modeling for us. Forgiveness, when it feels hard, the disciples are modeling for us that what we need to do is ask God to show us how to do that forgiveness. Ask God to lead us through the process of forgiveness. Ask God to be the forgiveness, to be the bridge across the gap that we don't find in our own human power, in our own human hearts, or in our own human minds that we don't find the capability within us to do it. In those times where it's hard to live up to God's image, that's when we need to lean on God. It's when we need to ask God to take the lead in the process of forgiveness. And I'll share from you one other thing I learned at this retreat. It's a little technique for letting God take the lead. And it's, when I first heard it, it didn't sound like it would work, but I tried it and it did. So I'm going to share it with you. The retreat leader said, if there's somebody that you need to forgive and you can't, or you don't know how, here's what you do. Whenever you think of it, say God. Now say the person I need to forgive is Joe. It's not Joe. I don't actually know any Joes who, you know, I need to forgive. Every time you think, every time you get a chance, just say to God, Joe. Joe. That's it. Just give God that person. As often as you think of it. And if you're the kind of person who has a pattern of praying once a day at a certain time, just, just make sure at some point in that time you say to God, Joe, that's it. You're not telling God what to do. You're not asking God to do X, Y, or Z. You're just handing that situation to God with that one little word, that one name. And over time, things will change. We're made in the image of God. And we're made to lean on God. So I invite you to try that. Amen.